Welcome to the Laurie Lawrence podcast, Stuff the Silver, We're Going for Gold. This podcast came about by me wanting to value add to my online swim teacher and coaching platform, WorldwideSwimSchool.com. It was simply an idea that I'd read and share chapters of the two books that I'd written about my eight Olympic Games adventures. And when I run out of chapters, I'd interview some of the great sportsmen and sportswomen that I'd encountered over the 50 years of my international coaching career. Tell your friends, if it helps one person expand their lives a little or achieve their dreams, it will have served the purpose. If it doesn't do this, try at least to remember, the harder you work, the harder it is to surrender. This one, Seoul 88, Reflections on a United Team. The Seoul Olympics of 1988 hold very special memories for me. I can see clear visions of Debbie Flintoff King's last-ditch dip at the tape for her 400-metre hurdles gold medal. I can relive Duncan Armstrong's thrilling gold and Julie MacDonald's fighting qualities as she took a bronze medal behind Janet Evans. But, overriding all, it was the magnificent team feeling in the Australian camp that made the Seoul Olympic Games so special. On reflection, I think this wonderful team atmosphere was moulded in no small way by Frank Arrick and his Socceroos. They helped bind that diverse collection of sportsmen and sportswomen into a true Australian team. The Socceroos were everywhere. They supported the women's hockey team and were there when our girls won that gold medal. They crammed into the team bus to go to the basketball stadium and were there yelling support as both the men and women's teams went within a whisker of winning medals and collectively gave Australia its highest standing in Olympic basketball history. In the midst of many fantastic achievements in Seoul, the Socceroos proved unity is strength. Hungry swimmers returning from hard training sessions at the Champsil pool automatically headed for the food hall. Sure enough, the Socceroos would be there. A Kubra hats perched jauntily on their heads, plates of kimchi in front of them as they sang Waltzing Matilda, The Road to Gundagai, Home Among the Gum Trees, or any one of the dozen good old nostalgic Australian sing-along numbers. The spirit generated by the Socceroos helped crystallise, helped bring together the Australian team. It gave us a sense of unity, a feeling of belonging. I'm sure all of us felt really proud to be Australians, no matter what our ethnic backgrounds. When the Socceroos slept, it was on the top floor of our unit block, and from up there, they were always playing pranks on other members of the Aussie team. From this address, just a few hours after we arrived, they made and launched paper planes. This became an amusing team pastime until, in an attempt to add a little more excitement and colour, they started to light the tails of the planes. This dangerous pastime was soon banned by the administration, and understandably so. The Koreans did not approve at 
all of burning paper planes being launched from the sleeping quarters of the Australian team. Once this was banned, they proceeded to throw water bombs on passing athletes. This, too, was banned. Notwithstanding these minor hiccups, the team would have been a little less united, a little less colourful, without Frank Arrock and his socceroos. I'm a sports freak, no risk. And once I had that special Olympic ID card around my neck, I was like a kid with a new toy. On the way to and from the pool, I had to pass the gymnastics hall. Every time I'd flash the ID and march in to watch the East Germans, the Russians, the Bulgarians, the Chinese gymnasts, their strength and grace was fascinating. I'd sit there among the hundreds of photographers who had come to snap up their particular little heroine. Other times, I'd sneak over to the cycling to watch our boys, Charlie's Angels, or into the weightlifting arena to watch the grunt and groan pantomime. As a general sports nut, my shining highlight of the Seoul Olympics took place in the weightlifting hall. This was the achievement of the mighty midget Sulemanagu. Sulemanagu was the tiny Turkish ex-Bulgarian superman. On the first night of competition, Sulemanagu had the super psych applied to him by his former compatriots. The Bulgarian's pride had been badly dented when he sought political asylum after a lifting competition in Australia. The psych-out, however, was dismissed in 30 seconds, and Sulemanagu went on to lift six world records in one night, a feat never before achieved in Olympic weightlifting history. Australian sporting legend has it that there was an even better weightlifting achievement in Seoul at the Aussie Celebration Barbecue Party on the final night. Headquarters wanted to give us a surprise on our last night, and they wanted to be a sensation. The Korean people seem to be able to do anything with their hands, and in particular, they have great ice-carving skills. Team coaches had Korean craftsmen carve two giant ice statues, one of a kangaroo and one of an emu, the Australian coat of arms. Each creature stood about six feet tall. The entire Aussie team flocked to the barbecue that night. When I arrived, Duncan Armstrong had positioned himself right between the kangaroo and the emu. He clutched a cold tinny, which he was gently rubbing on the kangaroo's belly. As the night progressed, Team management was so happy as they smiled and sipped their cold drinks. I don't think that they moved more than ten feet from those ice carvings that night. Now, almost nothing can stop an Aussie barbecue once it gets underway, particularly if the Socceroos happen to be in attendance. Our hockey girls, having won the gold medal, were understandable out of their trees. About halfway through the evening, the ice ran out and the drinks started to get a little warm. A couple of blokes came over to me and said, Look, the beer's getting hot. At that stage, I felt like the good lord at the marriage feast of Cana. I popped straight over to our human tank, the gentle but good-natured giant from Melbourne, Super. 
super heavyweight lifter, Charlie Gazzarella. All I said to Charlie was, Charlie, they have no ice. I've never seen a big man move so fast or deliberately in all my life. He paused for a moment, then strode across and stood in front of the beautifully carved ice statue. He went down on one knee, joined his hands as he knelt in front of the ice kangaroo. I'm sorry, Skippy, but you are going to have to die for a good cause. Then, with a grunt and with a strange glint in his eye, Charlie Gazzarella raised the huge statue high above his head. He paused for the mandatory three seconds, so that it's a legal lift, then smashed the unfortunate inanimate animal onto the ground, much to the delight and cheers of the entire Australian Olympic team. The team went wild. What a scene it was. Singing socceroos, dancing hockey girls, celebrating Aussies everywhere, and an abundance of ice-cold beer and soft drinks. Duncan wiped a small tear from his eye as he placed his warm can on the remnants of Skippy's tail. All of it served to consolidate our kindred spirit and to contribute to the huge success of the celebration party on that last night. It was just sensational to be at those Olympics and especially to be part of such a fantastic, united Australian team. Thanks, Frank. Thanks, Charlie Gazzarella. And thank you, Socceroos. Thank you for listening to this latest episode of Stuff the Silver. We're going for gold. To stay up to date with all episodes, please subscribe to this podcast. For more information, visit lorrylawrence.com.au. It's alive, do the